You are listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. This talk was given at 35 West Shelton Avenue. For more information, visit us at circleofhope.church. Today we are going to read from the, the prophet Micah. Um, and the kids who are meeting upstairs right now actually have helped me with some very, um, a very clear and simple description of what a prophet is. I love how they talk about it upstairs. Um, they describe the prophet as someone who it, um, comes so close to God and God comes so close to them that they know what's most important. Um, so we're going we're gonna to read some from the prophet Micah today. And you've probably heard some of these verses before. There are, uh, the, one of the verses in this passage is probably the most famous in the book of Micah and maybe even in the whole um, Hebrew Bible. It's, uh, what does the Lord require of you but to, walk just, uh, to do justice, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God? Has anyone heard this verse before? Sometimes it's on t-shirts or mugs. Um, I know people who have claimed it as a life verse. So it's, um, it's well known, and we're going to explore a little bit about what the context of that verse is. Um, <clears throat> the whole book of Micah is, it's, it's not a large book of the Bible. It's kind of small, um, but the whole book he vacillates between a message of hope and a message of judgment and back and forth. And today we're going to read um, three sections of from the beginning, the middle, and then towards the end of the book to get an idea of what he's talking about. Micah is considered a, a minor prophet, not because what he has to say is unimportant, but because it's one of the smaller books, like compared to the book of Isaiah, for example. Um, he was a prophet over the course of the lifetime of three kings in the southern kingdom, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah. But he was not one of those prophets who was employed in the court of the king. Sometimes kings had prophets that were paid to be there to deliver messages from the divine realm. Um, he lived, Micah lived in a rural village south of Jerusalem, which was the capital, in, in flat farmland. So his people were farmers. And in an area that was actually invaded by a neighboring empire. So when he had these messages, these prophetic messages, he traveled often to Jerusalem, up into the hills to the capital, to deliver these messages to the Jerusalem elites. Before I go any further, I forgot to mention that there are notebooks and cards back there and pens. If you're someone who likes to doodle or draw or take notes, um, if that helps while we talk, please help yourself. So Micah lived in the farmlands and he would travel to Jerusalem to deliver these messages to the um, political leaders and religious leaders in the capital. 
He went to remind them that the economic and the military decisions that they were making from their centralized authority in Jerusalem had profound effects to, that rippled out um, on people living far away from the centers of power. So he prophesied to those in power in the capital of Samaria. I have a map here that might help. Am I allowed to click through this or do you want to do this? Thanks. Okay, that's too small to see. Here's a zoom in picture. So the upper kingdom is the kingdom of Israel. The, low, the southern kingdom is the kingdom of Judah. And you can see there the capital is Jerusalem. Um, Micah lived what came from Moresheth there on the left-hand side by the coast. Can you see that? It might be a little hard to make out. Um, so again, he would travel to Jerusalem up into the hills to, to prophesy. And he also prophesied about the capital in the northern kingdom too, Samaria. You can see that in the star up above in the pink area. He prophesied to those in power in both capitals, um, saying essentially that everyone is impacted by what you're doing. So let me read to you the first reading um, that's full of imagery of, um, well, see if you can follow it, and then I'll, I'll, we'll, we'll revisit it. The first reading is from Micah 1, 3 through 5. Look, the Lord is coming out of his place. He will go down and tread on the shrines of the earth. Then the mountains will melt under him. The valleys will split apart like wax yielding to the fire, like waters poured down a slope. All this is for the crime of Jacob and the sins of the house of Israel. Who's responsible for the crime of Jacob? Isn't it Samaria? Who's responsible for the shrines of Judah? Isn't it Jerusalem? So he's naming... Sorry, we have the text here too. You can follow along. Micah is um, describing all this imagery of destruction that awaits the idolatrous high places, the shrines of Samaria and Judah. He's painting a picture, and prophets were often very um, um, poetic, so he's speaking in poetry, painting this dramatic picture so that the people would get the idea. And he's naming both capitals. Do you see at the end? Isn't it Samaria? Isn't it Jerusalem? He's pointing out that what the people in power are doing have a systemic impact. Um, it affects everyone. When the leaders make choices that are not good, the whole collective suffers. And the second passage. As for you, Bethlehem of Ephrathah, though you are the least significant of Judah's forces, one who is to be the ruler in Israel on my behalf will come out from you. His origin is from remote times, from ancient days. Therefore, he will give them up until the time when she who is in labor gives birth. The rest of his kin will return to the people of Israel 
He will stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord. In the majesty of the name of the Lord his God, they will dwell secure because he will be, surely become great throughout the earth. He will become one of peace. This prophecy, Micah is prophesying that a new ruler is possible. A leader who is not leading out of centralized power and military aggression. You might have heard um, these verses before. They're often read during the season of Advent. Um, that because Bethlehem was the city of David, of King David, the original audience would have heard this promise that he was um, prophesying for this Davidic ruler to be someone like Hezekiah, who delivered Jerusalem from the attacking Assyrians. They were thinking of someone immediate. But the New Testament writers pick up on this prophecy and they apply it to the hope of a Messiah as being fulfilled in Jesus. Again, so this prophecy is often read in Advent as we prepare for the birth of, of Christ. But Micah is painting this picture that not all rulers are this way. <laughs> there will be a new ruler is possible. And then in this last passage... Um, from Micah 6. I want to give you a little context before we read just a few of those verses. Micah is talking about, in his prophecy in chapter 6, where he's talking about um, loving justice and um, mercy and kind, and um, sorry, I'm messing it up too doing justice, embracing mercy, and walking humbly with your God. Those verses fall in the context of the Lord assembling a trial and reading the charges against Israel. Here's what you've done. He calls the mountains to bear witness and to hear the case. And the Lord calls to the people to remember his saving acts of the Lord. The people then respond, what does the Lord require? What will please God? This is the next slide here. Yes. What will please God? A burned offering, thousands of rams, streams of oil, my firstborn son. It just keeps escalating as if God could only be satisfied with more and more offerings. Let's read it together. With what should I approach the Lord and bow down before God on high? Should I come to him with entirely burnt offerings, with year-old calves? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams or many torrents of oil? Should I give my oldest child for my crime, the fruit of my body for the sin of my spirit? He has told you, human one, what is good and what the Lord requires of you to do justice, to embrace faithful love, and to walk humbly with your God. Micah saying, don't propose to appease God's wrath with lavish sacrifices. The Lord has already shown you what's good and what the Lord requires. 
He's already told you. You have the Torah. There is a way that God has envisioned people living together. Just do that. These verses of doing justice, embracing faithful love, walking humbly with your God, might sound vague and sweeping, but it's actually every day, an everyday thing. It's, it's about a way to live together in community and in reverence and love for God. So before we put all three of these passages together, let's just talk about this one for a little bit. Um, doing justice. Micah's saying, make justice happen. In the context of, of his statement and the book that he's right, that, of his prophecy here, it puts it into focus for a specific time and place. Micah is calling out the people in power, the places of centralized military power and decision-making. He's calling out the false worship. And he's saying, what you do impacts everyone. So in these verses, he's saying, look at how the world works and do justice. Care for the poor, for those in need, those who are most impacted by the actions of people in power. This is a call for governing systems to look at, out for everyone. We are all tied up together. So when those in economic prosperity set up governing systems that, that meet their own ends, it has damaging effects on those who are vulnerable. So work for justice on behalf of those who are most impacted. And then embrace faithful love. Depending on your translation, um, love mercy might be how you've heard it before. The word here is a Hebrew word, hesed. Um, and as I've read about it, I, I learned that it doesn't really translate into English very well because of the depth of the meaning that it has. The word stems from a covenant relationship so faithful relationship, faithful love. It's about undeserved kindness, limitless mercy. It's, it's not a feeling, but an action. It's the way that God acts toward us. So Micah's saying, be in relationship with one another the way God is in relationship with you. He says, love mercy, love, embrace faithful love. If you have to, anytime you love something, you have to practice it. You nurture it in yourself. And when you nurture something, you do it over and over again. You practice it. You become familiar with it. So loving mercy, loving kindness is a doing a working it out every day in all of your relationships. And then walk humbly with your God. Micah tells the people, he calls them into this ongoing relationship with God that affects all that they do. Journeying with God in a posture of humility, not needing to be recognized or celebrated. 
the last page of my talk is not here. So, <laughs> I'm going to do my best from my memory of where I'm going with this. All three of these readings in Micah are stretched out in different places. So I sat, all week I sat with this. Why does the narrative lectionary having us read all three of these together? And I think the idea is that, first of all, we're seeing the context of where Micah is living. We're seeing the context of what he is calling out to the people in power. We hear the prophecy, the words of hope, where he says, another way is possible. Another kind of ruler is coming. A ruler that is that knows the way of peace, a ruler that is humble, a ruler that um, shepherds his flock in the strength of the Lord. He's calling out what is possible in the face of all the chaos that he experiences. And if you read through the book of Micah, there's, there's, um, there's so much. There's so much that hints at... Um, similarities that we see now in our own context. Bribery, corruption, um, political conflict, internal conflict within the kingdom. Um, in Micah 3, he says something to the effect of the rulers, um, he uses this imagery where he says, they, they eat people's flesh and what he's saying is, it doesn't matter who's in power, they are trying to extract whatever they can from the people. Um, I think I said this before, but like internal, internal conflict within the kingdom, political pressures, empires that are bearing down on them. There's just so much happening in overwhelming circumstances in Micah's day um, that for him to call out the hope of another way of another kind of leader, um, one that we as Christians, as we read it now, um, we, we look to Jesus um, and the way that he comes in his way of peace. Um, and then also we finally get to this passage that everybody, so many people know, right? Um, to what the Lord, what is good and what the Lord requires of you to do justice, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Micah isn't just directing us to adopt that as a personal life verse. He's saying there's systemic problems that he's calling out, and he's calling the people of God to live into this alternative that's possible through a different ruler in a different way. So if you followed any of that, um, the question for us is, what does this mean for us? What can we take from this prophetic word from Micah um, for our time and place now? So let's take a moment of silence. You can sit with whatever's coming up for you. If I lost you a long time ago, it's okay. Um, we're just going to make some space uh, to try to notice what question comes up for you or notice what things stood out.
and then there'll be time to talk back. Thanks for listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. If you want to talk about it or get connected, visit circleofhope.church. You can also find us on Instagram or Facebook at circleofhopenet.com.